Welcome into another episode of Miked Up with Mellow and Big Country, brought to you by Mid America RV. Why work from home when your office could be in Yellowstone? Mid America RV is your gateway to adventure with their diverse selection of travel trailers, fifth wheels, teardrops, and toy haulers. They have the right size RV for any vehicle, all covered by their exclusive RV warranty forever. Game days, remote work, getaways, and family vacations are all better in an RV from Mid America RV. Experience travel like you never have before. Find out more at midamericarv.com. Absolutely. Next up is going to be downtown Lou. Make sure you visit them right here in the heart of Joplin, Missouri on 1st and Main Street. They do specialize in tires and lube, but they are much more than that. So be sure to visit their website at downtownlube.com for the full list of services. Not a matter of if, a matter of when you're going to need that oil change and those tire service. So make sure you get that taken care of right here in Joplin at Downtown Lube. And welcome into the show. We appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, it feels like a, a little bit of a throwback here, big country. We are it does. afternoon on a Thursday, and uh, people are already wondering, like, I thought you guys had day jobs. Yeah. We do, but you know what? We like those jobs, and they allow us to, every once in a while, be free in the afternoon. So it's nice to be able to sit down uh, and have the whole rest of the night ahead of us, but we appreciate you guys all joining us wherever you get your podcast. Maybe you're listening on Spotify or, or Apple, the original podcast app, or right here in the call-in app where you're live uh, with us today in the chat, but we do appreciate you guys. What a week. This is, I, I told my fiance, this is like my Super Bowl week. Everybody gets super excited about the Super Bowl. This I am stressed. I'm excited because this Saturday is a big date. Texas and Oklahoma playing against each other. Red River, I guess we're calling it the rivalry again. I remember when it used to be the shootout and it was the showdown. I, I think we're back to the Red River rivalry. And both teams are playing very good this year. I'm going to try to stay as unbiased as I can, but it is very exciting to have Texas and Oklahoma this weekend. And it definitely is. And Oklahoma is kind of coming into this underrated a little bit, which doesn't seem like the norm for the last 10 years of this matchup, right? Like Texas has kind of snuck in some wins there. And last year was just the absolute blowout, which we loved as Texas fans. But the year before that, we were sitting here saying, we want Caleb, we want Caleb. Well, we got Caleb, and then we got demolished by Caleb. Um, and yeah, that, second that, that was my fault. <laughs> decided to come in. Uh, and it was actually just kidding. We want Spencer Rattler back, but I think this year coming into it, I think this is going to be a fun matchup and I think it's going to be a back and forth game. I think Texas is favored by six, uh, from the last time I looked at it. And it's really just kind of one of those things coming into the week that I'm not necessarily overlooking it, but I, I haven't felt the hype because I feel like there's so many question marks on Oklahoma and how good they truly are this year. They've shown they can put points on the board in Texas. We've seen them have their big wins and, you know, they're undefeated coming into it, and it's been a really long time since we've, you know, felt that. It's first time in Sarkeesian era as well. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it, I do think it's going to be a fun game, and I'm looking forward to it. But when it comes time for Saturday and 11 o'clock and we're turning on the game, it's like, cool, buddy, here we go. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people, too, that look at this game and like, man, I'd love to go to it sometime. I'm one of those people. And then you talk to people who have been there, and they go, it's absolutely hell. It is not – like, it's a cool experience. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's almost not worth it. And you stand by that to this day. Oh, yeah. I went. And uh, even this year, uh, my birthday's this month, October. And my fiance is like, what do you want to do? We went to a Cubs-Cardinals game for hers. She's like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Do you want to go to the Texas OU game? Nope. I do not. <laughs> I will never go back to the Texas and OU game. Offer, it, it was a great offer and like a great idea. But I do not want to ever ever again go back there uh, maybe if they move it like, they play in the cotton bowl still which a lot of people if you watch it on tv it still looks kind of cool and it's historic and they've always played there if you're there the stadium is old as balls it's got to be like 100 years old mm-hmm. it was built for people that are much much smaller and like before stadiums got all the accommodations that they do now like it's it's one of the worst stadiums i've ever been in it's it's so hot Beginning of October in Texas still. I mean, you're still in the, like, 90s. I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like this weekend. Now, for you, I, you probably should go experience it as a Texas fan. It's not a bad drive down to Dallas. Super easy to do. But for me, like, I've checked that box. I will never need to do that again. There, There's so many people there. I don't do well also with 
uh, trash talkers. They don't trash talk my team. Like that's why I try not to ever trash talk people's teams because I don't handle it well. Like even throwing the horns down. I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's just playful or it shouldn't be a penalty, whatever. I take it as like, you're disrespecting me. Like you're flipping me off. I, <laughs> I respond better to people flipping me off than I do the horns down. So I, I can't do that. I can't deal with the OU fans. Now, I was even walking through Target the other day. I saw a kid in an OU shirt. It's Texas OU week. So I was like, I'm going to check him. I'm just, I'm going to get him with the cart. Just give him a little nudge and let him know like, hey, big brother's here. Texas is going to whip that ass this weekend. Uh, he was like eight <laughs> years old. So I didn't. I didn't want to get fired from my job. Uh, or maybe that's why I'm here today. Huh? Yeah, uh, ooh, but um, it is, it's, this is like out. my Super Bowl because I, I love this game so much. But at the same time, it stresses me out like no other because I will be a wreck if Texas loses. And mm-hmm. I'm not dumb. Uh, Texas has lost this game a lot of times. And last year was a great day for me. But I'm not, I'm not naive. Texas is favored by six, but Oklahoma looks really, really good this year. And it is nice that both teams are undefeated. But even last year, like going into uh, Caleb Williams' freshman year, I felt pretty confident as a Texas fan. Didn't work out. Caleb Williams comes in. They get beat very badly. Last year, I felt good because OU looks like trash coming into the game. There was a blowout. That was nice. But it is also nice to have some kind of hype around this game like it used to, like in the early 2000s when Mac Brown and Bob Stoops were there. You have Texas that's ranked number three. You've got OU that's ranked number 12, undefeated in the Cotton Bowl. Texas favored by six. I don't even know how I feel about that bet. Um, and you probably shouldn't listen to us when we're talking about betting as two Texas fans because I do think Texas is going to win, but I do wonder if Oklahoma keeps it close enough to cover those points. Yeah. I do want this to come down to a game. Like I hope it's a back-and-forth game and Texas is able to have a last possession and hit like a game-winning field goal. But then at the same time in saying that, it's like, I don't really want to be that anxious during the game. Like last year, the blowout was enjoyable because like then you just kind of kept scoring and scoring. And you're just like, man, this is so much fun. Like a blowout is so much more enjoyable and relaxing, having drinks with the boys. You know, we're, we're paying attention to the game, but you're like, hey, we're up like 30. Like it's all right, you know, if we miss a play here or there. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a, a close matchup like that, and then it comes down to a field goal, Texas' kicker wasn't hitting field goals last week. I mean, Kansas hung in there for a little bit, a little bit longer than I kind of wanted to, and I think he missed two field goals within the decent range that are is makeable for him that we've seen him do in the past. I shouldn't say just for anybody because, I mean, if you watched college game day last week and you saw how difficult it is to kick a field goal 33 yards mm-hmm. as a Duke student, I think that was just absolutely hysterical. Uh-huh. But it's like I don't want this to become a boring game, and I want it to be close. I just I'm not ready for the anxiety of it. I just I want to have a good Saturday. Just like you see the videos of people watching games online, yeah, you see the clips on TikTok or Instagram reels, whatever, and you get the guy that's like super invested. He's standing up in the middle of his living room, a little third and one conversion, and he's like losing his mind, and people are laughing at the the videos. Mm-hmm. That is me. For this game, I, I lose my mind. I think it was two years ago, Xavier Worthy had a huge touchdown to start the game. And I'm like, I'm that guy that's play. shouting in the bar and like losing his mind. And people are looking at me because that's what I do. That's another reason why I like, I kind of like watching this game by myself because I, I'm a true fanatic when it comes to this. And I, I look like a crazy person. Like if you guys took video of me watching this game, it would probably go viral. Like, look at this idiot. This 35-year-old man is so committed to this that his team just had a turnover, and now he's crying in his living room <laughs> while his lady rubs his back and consoles him and tells him that everything's going to be okay. Like, it's the second quarter. It'll be a fine. It's, it's one fumble or whatever. <laughs> There's a lot I'm of so ball games left, baby. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it is going to be nice. I do think Texas is going to win, um, but I'm not sleeping on Oklahoma. That, that's a very good team this year. Dylan Gabriel is a Heisman-type guy, mm-hmm. uh, but it will be great to see the game and to get the stress over with as well. Yeah, and you mentioned watching the game by yourself, and I kind of relate to that as a, as a Chiefs fan. Texas mm-hmm. games, you know, I haven't really been there, but like with the Chiefs the last couple of years, a lot of their biggest playoff games or you know, even some like big regular season matchups, I do kind of prefer to watch those by myself because I am loud and I'm all over the place, and I'm scrolling social media at the same time, paying attention to the game. Last year's AFC Championship game, 
I watched that by myself in my living room. And, you know, swipe the bingo card here. Dog was with me right there for the game-winning field goal. He decides to jump in my face and get the zoomies. I was like, now is not the time, bub. We've had all game. This this is the one time where it's a no-go. And then for the Super Bowl, I watched that with a bunch of friends. But, like, I was kind of like you. I'm loud, yelling at the TV, trying to sit here and almost do Tony Romo-esque. Like, hey, I think this is what they might do on this play. I don't really say it out loud, but in my mind, I was like, I just want to see it. I'm wrong, false. I think Patrick Mahomes is a magician. Mm-hmm. But like for this Texas game, you mentioned it like last year, you know, Xavier Worthy, he did have that massive play. It was the screen that takes it up the sideline, scores. You you have a very loud clap or a, a smack of a table. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've had discussions as a, as a group of friends, and, you know, there's been a moment where you've hit the table and you kind of raise your voice like, oh, shit, like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like it's because you are so nonchalant and mellow, I mean, literally the name. That when you do get like excited or angry, annoyed or something, it's like, all right, hey, like alert, paying attention here. But yeah, it's that that play. I just I do remember that because you were like you slapped the table, you clapped your hands, and you pointed at the screen and went, go 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 go. And I'm like, God damn, I'm just trying to take a drink of my beer here. Take it easy. <laughs> it was like the first play of the game too. So like people are yeah, yeah. settling in to like, oh okay, cool, game's on, just kicked off, and then boom. Touchdown, big one. Uh, that Yeah, that'll be me again on Saturday. There are a lot of other good games going on on Saturday, too, though. I mean, Texas and OU is going to dominate it, or at least it should. But even, like, LSU and Missouri, I, we're, like, really going at, like, our fan base here and the people around us. But, like, the LSU-Missouri game is going to be a good one. It also kicks off at 11 o'clock on ESPN. Like, this is going to be a good Saturday for YouTube TV. I, yeah. They should be paying us for as much as we talk about them. I'm I'm all in on the the quad screen on watching four oh, games at a time. Absolutely, my brain's used to it now. At first, it was difficult. It's like I'm not really watching any of these games. Why do I have all four of them on? Now I'm I'm tuned in. I can do it. And I, even Maryland Ohio State is going to be on at the same time. It's on mm-hmm. Fox. Like there are three really good games right there in that big noon kickoff hour. And the Texas OU game is on ABC. I'm not sure who's going to call that game. I don't think Herb Street will. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, surely, it's, is it Fox or if it's ABC, it's going to be ESPN? It's huh? ABC. So, yeah, I don't know. I wish it were Fox. Yeah. Just, you know, Gus Johnson calling a game for me. Gus Johnson, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's but, there are times um, I'm not I'm not confident enough to do it on the show, but there are times where I feel like I get his scream down when he like has a big play. And I'm just kind of like, man, I need to find a way to get that on the show. And then it's like a moment like this, I can't do it. Like I can't. You can't, can't do it on command. Do it on command. Yeah, it's kind of well, one of those things that I'll, no, I'll randomly do. You gotta be in do. the moment. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of good games on on Saturday, and uh, the Texas thing, the state fair, it's it's a bucket list item. Texas OU, not just Texas fans, OU fans too. I'm sure that we have a lot of those that listen, or probably some if we haven't ran them off. But OU looks really good this year. And even I was looking at some Heisman favorites uh, to start the year. And, you know, it was last year uh, about this time. It was in September when I just didn't understand why people weren't talking about Caleb Williams and what he was doing in college football. And this year I'm, I kind of have that feeling about a couple guys already. And that's one of them is Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback for OU. He is quietly having a fantastic year. And it's crazy to see an OU quarterback quietly have a fantastic year. But his odds right now are plus 2,000 for the Heisman. And if Oklahoma wins on Saturday, whichever quarterback wins, I'm going to assume that they're both going to play well because they have all year. You're going to see a big boost in their Heisman odds. So right now you can get Caleb Williams, or sorry, not Caleb Williams, uh, Dylan Gabriel at plus 2,000 on the Heisman, which are really, really good odds. Now, Caleb Williams might be the dude that does it. He's at plus 175. I kind of have a feeling that he might repeat as Heisman Trophy winner. He played so well on Saturday against Colorado. His numbers are going to be better this year, and he's playing in some big-time games that yeah. Caleb Williams might very well repeat as Heisman Trophy winner. And, you know, we, we were talking to our guy Brooks about it, and you know, he kind of has a little theory that it, Caleb Williams kind of gets the upper hand here because he's had some of these afternoon games. You know, they're not these Pac-12 at night games people you know are getting more of a glimpse of what Caleb Williams is doing in the plays that he's making so I'm not going to try and take credit for this this was definitely Brooks conspiracy theory and I think he's uh, I shouldn't say conspiracy theory just theory with it in the mindset and I I do think he's right Um, especially with the stats being better than they were last year my thing that I wonder 
is old Mr. Quarterback Jordan Travis at Florida State because he's quietly having a good year as well, and he's plus 1,300. Mm-hmm. I thought I had a bet on him to win the Heisman. I know I had mentioned that I think he could be a Heisman finalist, but I don't think I officially put in the bet. So I'm actually, <laughs> after this show, I'm running to, over to Pittsburgh and running some errands, getting oil mm-hmm. change and stuff like that too. Or excuse me, Joplin, downtown Lube, der. Um And I'm going to... I'm going to make some bets while I'm over there, and one of them is going to be the Jordan Travis at the plus 1,300 because I can't believe I haven't done it yet. And I do think he has good odds. you got the win against Clemson. You know, you've been playing very well a year. Florida State's putting points on the board. Um, I could see that happening. But Caleb Williams, it's hard to argue with it. Uh, other names that are sitting here, Bo Nix plus 800, Sam Hartman plus 1,600, and our guy Quinn Ewers at seven plus 750. Um same Hartman, it kind of stinks because you had the the tough loss to Ohio State, so you don't get that big win. You don't get that true Heisman moment. He's just yeah, I wouldn't put money on him. Well. He's having a good year. It, it's nice to see um, him transferring from Wake Forest and kind of being that dude at Notre Dame. Uh, those are good odds, but I don't I don't like that money. I wouldn't bet on him just because that loss already at Ohio State. We're, you're probably going to have an undefeated team. It, there's so many good teams with good quarterback play this year. Uh, we've talked a lot about Caleb Williams. USC is undefeated. Michael Penix Jr. at Washington is also having a fantastic season. And those two are going to face each other. November 4th, Washington and USC play each other. That's going to be a big moment. If Washington wins, and I think they probably will, I think that's going to do a lot for Michael Penix Jr.'s Heisman odds as well because his numbers are just as good. I think they will beat USC. That USC defense is trash this year. It's yeah. It's really bad, so I, I do. I mean, I'm not going to be, like, shocked if USC does pull it out, but they've got so much to work on defensively, and Washington doesn't have as much to work on. And that offense, Caleb Williams is a much better quarterback. He's going to be the number one pick in the draft. But Michael Penix Jr. in that Washington offense, they're putting up just as good as numbers. And those receivers that they have at Washington are probably better than the receivers at USC. So I think Washington probably does win that game, but that's a November 4th game. That's when we really start to get into it and look at Heisman odds and things like that. When you get into November, that's mm-hmm. going to be a big marquee game for both those quarterbacks who right now have the two uh, highest odds. you got Caleb Williams at plus 175 and Michael Penix Jr. at plus 425. And then our guy, uh, like you said, Quinn Ewers at plus 750. Bo Nix is another one. Sticking with the Pac-12, plus 800. I mean, the top four guys... Three of them are quarterbacks in the Pac-12. And I wrote about it last week in the State of College Football. The Pac-12 is so damn good right now. Right? And I know we talked about <laughs> it too it on the podcast. it that it's over. <laughs> it's, it's done for. You've got three out of the top four Heisman Trophy candidates. And your conference is going to be gone next year. And even the two remaining teams that you have, Washington State and Oregon State, are very good this year. They're both ranked in the top 25 And this commissioner shit the bed so badly that the Pac-12 is going to go away after probably their best season ever. They might have a repeat Heisman Trophy winner. You might have a team. You're going to probably have at least one team in the playoff. You might win the national championship. And next year, all these guys are going to the Big Ten. (laughs) That's so, it's so bad. I I honestly feel bad for anybody on the West Coast who is like a Pac-12 supporter or if you're upset about your team leaving the Pac-12. I mean, genuinely, there's got to be some way, though, that they can get everybody back. Like, it's not too late, right? You're not going to face any penalties or – Really? It is too late? Because, like, even Oregon State beat Utah last week. So, like, Utah's going to the Mm -hmm. Big 12. They just lost in the last (laughs) Pac-12, one of the last two remaining there. Like, it just – that mm-hmm. kind of stinks, but like we talked about Oregon State last year and then bringing in DJ Uyunglele in the transfer portal, that was the one thing they were missing last year. They had a good defense, a solid offensive line. They just didn't have a quarterback that could help them convert on big third downs and keep the ball moving. They had that this year with DJ, and we're kind of getting to see a glimpse of that as they continue on and continue to get better. But uh, two other things I wanted to mention here. Um, Caleb Williams – the rumor of him, you know, coming if he's going to come into the draft or not, inevitably the number one pick if he does. But mm-hmm. I saw a story somewhere that said, and maybe it was our guy Brooks that sent us to us, um, that he can make he's making more money now with the NIL than he would on his rookie year as like an NFL quarterback. He's making more than that as a 
starting college quarterback. The, with the NIL Do you believe stuff, that? It's, it's pretty crazy. I was looking to see how much the first overall pick was making this year. Uh, so like Bryce Young's contract, what he's making. I, I don't know what it is. It's not very big. Um, it's four years, 37, almost 38 million. So, I mean, roughly 10 million a year. I think if Caleb Williams comes back next year, so if he wins the Heisman or he's going for his second Heisman, he could probably pull in 10 mil at USC. I mean, you're right there in LA. I think a lot of people are starting to pay more attention to college football. Like, it is coming back around. You know, look at the tension that you know, Colorado's getting. And it was uh, it was Caleb Williams' dad that came out and said, like, we're going to look at who has the first pick. And right now, if the season ended today, which it's not going to, the Bears are sitting there with the first pick and the second pick overall. Like, if you're Caleb Williams, are you going to you know, kind of Manning family this thing of like, hey, we're not coming out. We're going to wait another year and see what happens. And then, even then – we're going to be a little bit choosy about where we go because uh, these rumors started. I don't even know if you can call them rumors uh, when the Cardinals had the first pick, when everybody thought they would have number one and number two. Yeah. And then his dad was like, I, I just don't know what we'll do. And then you throw in the NIL money, which is it's only one year guaranteed, but that's still $10 million is enough. I think you could easily get that. I mean, you're talking about college recruits that are pulling in 13. You've got a defending Heisman yeah. trophy winner. He can get 10 easily at USC. So uh, there's not as much pressure for these guys to go back. And it's Shador Sanders at Colorado too. Uh, there was a video the, a couple weeks ago of him and his brother sitting in the booth being like, hey, next year we could be out here playing with these dudes. And Dion's like, no, you're not. You're coming back. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to the NFL. You're coming back to Colorado. And so, I mean, there's two big names right there that you could have coming back next year. I mean, and, there's still a lot of draft process, obviously, and season left to go. Those could be the top two quarterbacks for the NFL draft, and you could have both of them return. I'm a college football guy, so I would I would like that. I would love yeah. to see, especially Caleb Williams. And I, this was another thing I wrote about this week, too. I think that he probably will repeat as a Heisman Trophy winner because I don't think we've seen his best football yet. He's putting up bigger numbers, and we just we haven't had anybody else kind of compete with him. Shador Sanders, I think, was for a little bit. He had some hype going. Now they've lost two in a row. Michael Penix Jr., I don't know if he has the storyline, if there's that narrative to make him win. Quinn Ewers, maybe. If Quinn balls out and throws for 350 yards this weekend, maybe he competes with Caleb Williams. But Caleb Williams could be a repeat Heisman Trophy winner. And if he's a repeat Heisman Trophy winner, what if he comes back? I mean, this could be the first ever three-time Heisman Trophy winner Ooh. in college football history. That's a long ways away, and that's, you know, I mean, he has to win it this year. He'd have to come back. But I don't think it's that far-fetched to, to think that he could do it this year. It's, it's going to be a lot of competition, but he could possibly do it. That would be absolutely insane. Um, now let's head into our NFL slate of games because we do have some news there. Uh a running back that was disgruntled with the situation with the Indianapolis Colts is off the pup list, has returned to practice. Today was the first day he decided to speak up in the media. Pretty much just basic positive media talk of like, hey, I'm here. Yeah, I requested a trade. I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. You know, the guys that are here bought in, ready to work, ready to get after it. I can play this weekend, yada, yada, yada. I hope he plays, but at the same time, I feel like everything that just went through in the offseason, it's hard to just kind of throw that underneath the rug and keep moving forward. That's what these guys are going to do, though, because it is like that was then, this is now, let's move forward, mm -hmm. you know, don't look in the rearview mirror. But at the same time, I would be kind of pissed if I'm a Jonathan Taylor teammate of like, dude, you tried to leave mm -hmm. us, and now you see it is like we are doing all right. We're making plays. We got ourselves a quarterback. Now you just want to come back in the mix. What happens with your contract situation? When is that going to become an issue again for you? And is that going to become a distraction later on in the season? Yeah. The NFL is such a weird business because so many guys in the league know, like, we don't, we're not here for long. The NFL stands for not for long. So go get your money while you can. And they do a really good job of respecting guys going out and trying to get paid while they can. But even as two Chiefs fans, we started to see it with Chris Jones of players like Travis Kelsey 
putting the pressure on him publicly because that's yeah. everything Travis Kelsey does is public now. Uh, but trying to put that pressure <laughs> on him publicly. Way, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, trying to put it on him publicly to get him to come back. And he eventually did. And thank God, because Chiefs look terrible without him. But it it is going to be interesting to see like how many people, how they respond to him in the locker room. Of like, okay, now you're back. Is is it a sigh of relief? Like, if I'm Anthony Richardson, it's a, it's a big sigh of relief. Like, oh man, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. I need you to help me this rookie season. Uh, but are the defensive players going to feel that way? Is he a guy that you can still look at as like a team captain? And I like Jonathan Taylor a lot, so. I hope he goes and he has a great year re- returning. And then he's probably going to, I don't know, get franchise tagged or, or something like that in the offseason. But I don't I don't know how he's, he's going to be received or th- how his relationship is with the owner and Jim Irsay. I mean, they were also kind of publicly bickering at each other. And I, I think Irsay even said, like, hey, if he never plays a game again and I die, no one's going to care about us. Like, that was a weird thing to say about <laughs> the best player on your team, probably. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how the Colts kind of respond, how they rebound. Uh, they have not been nearly as bad as I thought they were going to. They're 2-2 two and two right now. They play the Titans this weekend. They've been playing surprisingly better than I thought. And even, I think, in one or two of those games, Richardson was out with an injury. So now you get Jonathan Taylor back. You have Anthony Richardson. They're playing against the Titans at uh, noon on Sunday. That's that's going to be an old throwback game. Like you're going to see yeah. each team probably run the ball 30 times. Oh, I might have absolutely. to tune in just to watch that game because that is maybe you get Derrick Henry and the Titans. They're two and two, but I think they also realized, yeah, it's time. We're not that good this year. We have to load up and give the ball to Derrick Henry, or we are not going to win games. Like he's probably going to win the rushing title this year, just because I, I do think that's their strategy going forward. Give the ball to Derrick Henry, let him go win football games. Yeah, and I, I think you're. You're absolutely right on that. And with, you know, Richardson and Indianapolis, that dude's just been making plays. Like, even last week against the Rams, like, you know, you hear Dan Orlovsky go on about it this morning on Get Up um, on ESPN. And it's just – he just keeps pointing out all these great plays that Richardson's making, and, you know, they start throwing the highlight clip. Like, oh, my gosh, why did I not see these highlights earlier in the week? Why was this not blowing up on the Internet on Sunday, well, it's because Taylor Swift was going to the Chiefs-Jets game, and it's like, that's all we got to talk about. I am kind of getting fatigued over it a little bit. But with that, though, it's like he's got Aaron Donald trying to drag him down, like helmet right in his chest, and he still gets the ball off, I believe it was to Alec Pierce, and puts it right where he can get it. Guy comes down with it, late flag, they get some extra yardage. But you're just like, oh, my gosh, this guy's making some freaking plays. He's mm-hmm. making some throws. And I will say to Dan Orlovsky's uh, defense, I think he was always on Richardson. I think he was always there and saying, like, hey, this kid does have a ton of potential. The accuracy is there. That was something that a lot of people kept knocking on him. And he was like, hey, like, these are the things that are causing the, the inaccuracies or his, you know, inaccuracy while throwing the football. And I just remember him kind of doing a deep dive on that. And then he transitions that in the NFL, fixes it, and he's been looking good. He's been making some great plays. I do hope it is a running game like you mentioned, but at the same time, I kind of want to see Richardson make some throws down the field and just kind of light it up against Tennessee because they are a good run-stop defense. And if, you know, you get Josh Richardson throwing the football down the field, this division's wide open because everyone just seems like it's a lock for the Jaguars. Hey, C.J. Stroud is also having a fantastic season with the Houston I was going to say, let's let's segue to that one too because C.J. Stroud has been balling out. I think you liked him uh, quite a bit. I think you probably – did you have him as your kind of top quarterback? Yeah, I, I did. Just because yeah, I it's like it over one Bryce of things Young. where, to to me, and I think it was Matt that had mentioned it a while, a couple years ago with Justin Fields. Like this feels like the Justin Herbert situation where we're coming up with all the reasons why he might not be good, and you're kind of sitting there with it. And Justin Fields, it hasn't really panned out. But the the thing and point that Matt had at that time was we're putting too much thought into it, and we're we're creating issues that might not necessarily be there because it's not what they can't do is what they're not asked to do, right? And that was a big thing with Justin Herbert is it's not necessarily that he can't. He just hasn't been asked to do it, so we haven't seen it. And with C.J. Stroud, there was so much talent around him that everyone was like, oh, it's because, you know, he's played with, with this guy, this guy, and this guy, and they're all fantastic receivers, and, you know, they've all executed at a high level at Ohio State. But at the same time, it's like, hey, someone's got to put the ball there. Someone's got to be able to read the defense and make yeah. plays and extend drives. And C.J. Stroud proved that, and he continues to prove that with Houston. And we kind of just – said Houston was going to be garbage this year. There was abs- I don't think there was anybody out there that was like, hey, C.J. Stroud might be able to help turn mm-hmm. things around year one. Still a lot of season yeah. left, but 
kid's been making plays. And Nico Collins, let me go ahead and throw another guy up there. <laughs> uh, go off, King. You know what I mean? Dude's having himself a heck mm-hmm. of a year himself. Last week, I think he had 30-some points in fantasy sitting on my bench, or my friend's bench, because they asked me between Nico Collins and another running back, and I said the running back. And oh, That's your guy. <laughs> I know. Yeah, CJ Stroud has been, he's been very good early. It's, a, it's only been four games. And I think that he even, like that first game, he came out, uh, and it didn't look good for C.J. Stroud. He has calmed down, and he has looked much better in the last three games. And the craziest thing for me is that Houston has won the last two games. They just beat Pittsburgh, and they beat Jacksonville, who Pittsburgh is a Mike Tomlin team. They're usually pretty solid. Jacksonville was a playoff team last year. Their losses right now are Indianapolis and Baltimore. I like that Baltimore at Baltimore. That's not a bad loss mm-hmm. uh, for a team that's up and coming like the Texans right now. So uh, CJ Stroud has looked really good. Anthony Richardson, he's been making plays as well. As far as Bryce Young goes, uh, he's already he's already missed one game. I know that was kind of your thing of uh, this guy's too small. He's going to miss some games, and he already has. And it hasn't looked great for him. And the the passer rating. It's not good. The couple interceptions in his first game, missing a game. Uh, he's only thrown for two touchdowns. He didn't throw any last week. It's been a struggle for Bryce Young, that's for sure. He, and now, I don't think he has the weapons around him to be super successful, but you could say the same about C.J. Stroud. Like, he doesn't really have the weapons around him either, but he's, he's still making plays and he's doing it. And you also you mentioned Justin Herbert, which immediately made me think, Joe Burrow, and how bad the Bengals are so far this year. We haven't talked about that one. But you also it's actually your fantasy football comment that you made. I have Joe Burrow as my fantasy football quarterback, and I think I'm going to have to bench him. I have Matt Stafford as my backup. I have won one game this year with a pretty decent roster. But Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow has given me nothing at the quarterback position in fantasy football. And when you look at it as a a Bengals fan, too, you can't be happy with the product on the field. You're one in three, and your offense looks like garbage. It is bad this year. Uh, You put up three points in the rain against the Browns, which it was raining, but you know what? The Browns scored 24 that day. Uh, Against the Ravens, you put up 24 again. In your one win, you, you scored 19 points. And then you lose 27 to 3 to the Titans. Like, this team is just not putting up points at all. This offense is struggling. And I think Jamar Chase, even over the last week, he started to get a little chippy. I'm always Mm -hmm. fucking open. And then he's like, let me walk that back. That was too much for the media to see. (laughs) You're starting to see, I think, some tension in that locker room. And you're starting to kind of feel that pressure of, we're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. We're yeah. a really good team with a target on our back. People are coming up, and they're showing uh, out every Sunday that they play us. And the Bengals are starting to feel it, whether that's Joe Burrow being hurt, people being used to him, kind of having the they film out on him. I don't know what it is, but I do know that the Bengals are 1-3. and three. And now you have people coming out and even saying, we need a win for morale. I think it was Joe Burrow even. It's like, we need a win just for morale. You're playing the Cardinals, and you're talking about we need a win for morale as a Cincinnati Bengal, that's a tough look for this team early in the season. Yeah. And let me walk back something I said a little bit ago. I realized I said Josh Richardson instead of Anthony Richardson. Josh Richardson was a former guard for the Miami Heat. That's why I Ooh. did that. That's my mistake, Heat fan here. I even as I said, I was like, I don't think that's right. But like you didn't make a face or anything, so I was like, okay, like I'll just keep rolling here. But Anthony Richardson, my apologies mm-hmm. for that. You are not Josh Richardson. You are much better than that. And a larger human being as well. But with your point about Joe Burrow and the Bengals, I think, you know, the calf injury is playing more into effect than maybe we all realize because one of his strengths and best abilities for Joe Burrow is being able to dance in and out of the pocket. You know, he doesn't have mm-hmm. that true speed where he can, you know, take the ball out and then just go get an extra, you know, six, seven yards if he needs to. He has the ability, but that's not his strength, right? That's He is really good. Right. You know, you mentioned it with Tom Brady. Like, that's that pocket Tom presence. Brady-esque type of you know ability that Joe Burrow has is being able to evade a sack and still get the ball down the field and make plays happen. And Joe Burrow's just not able to do that right now. And that calf injury is the reason for it. And I think there's been murmurs kind of on social media between fans, and I don't know if it came from a player or whatnot, but it just seems something like Joe Burrow is hurting this team more than anything. Like the best thing for them right now is to just let a backup play 
so they can just get That's some, crazy. Some, <laughs> some quality play. And, and the point was, is like Joe Burrow, like the moment there's any pressure, he, he has to pretty much take the sack because he can't, he doesn't have the explosiveness mm-hmm. to dance around and move because of the calf injury. It's like, okay, if we're not giving our receivers opportunities to make plays or even getting the ball down the field because you can't move or you can't evade a sack with Orlando Brown Jr.'s just stud level of ability playing left tackle, that's a joke, um, <laughs> then, yeah, maybe we need to get a guy in here that can just kind of give him a week off and let him fully rest and recover, and we can at least mm-hmm. try and win with, with a backup. And I think Through that was four games. trying to make, but just nuts to think that they're this bad either way. Through four games, he's already been sacked eight times. Whoa. That's... That's Sounds not like good. Rookie year numbers, right? And, I, and I'm sure that the pressure rate—I don't, I don't have that one—is is even up there higher. And I, I do think I've seen a lot of the stuff about Orlando Brown Jr. too. Uh, it's not looking good. Uh, Chiefs fans could have told you that it was going to happen, but <laughs> yeah. you guys—you paid him. Uh, he's going to be there for a minute. But it, it's crazy to see the Bengals being so bad. Even looking again, they play the Cardinals this weekend. The Bengals are favored by three points. They should be favored by like nine. This should be like almost a double-digit favorite, and they're not. And they do need a win for morale. They need a win to rally that locker room. Um, and then you know, what speaking happens of, if they lose? The Cardinals just beat the Cowboys. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. You know, like what happens if you do lose to the Cardinals? And what if they win by double digits? Mm-hmm. I mean, or if, or even if they win, demised? but. If the Cardinals win, but the Bengals are never really in it, which is something we see in the NFL all the time. Like, uh, you only lost by six, but it was a, a late kind of garbage time touchdown that brought it with six. Yep. You know, I, it, it is. It's going to be uh, it's going to be rough for them to recover. And I think we are going to start to see some of the stars in that locker room turn on each other. Because uh, I, I really do think that we started to with Jamar Chase. That the frustration was it's starting to show – you, then you've got guys like Joe Mixon. You've got Orlando Brown Jr. I don't know that those are necessarily great teammates or guys that are going to be leaders in your clubhouse to be like, nope, mm-hmm. let's rally the troops, and we, we've got yeah. this. They're going to get pissed off. They're going to lash out at other people. And I, I don't mean to just throw those two under the bus. But you're going to start to see that if your team does fall to the Cardinals. So this is a big Sunday for the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that should be contending for like the Super Bowl. And they're not like now we're talking about, ooh, they really need a W against the Cardinals, who are who is we're supposed to be one of the worst teams in football. They, like I said, to begin the year, everybody had the mock drafts fired up and the Arizona Cardinals had the top two picks because we thought they would be pretty bad. I will pat myself on the back. I didn't really buy into that narrative. I didn't think they would be that bad, but I also thought Kyler Murray would be their quarterback this year. I don't know if that's gonna happen. But now we are seeing the Chicago Bears be that bad. They look yeah. terrible. Like and tonight they play the commanders. I, I think the commanders are probably going to beat them pretty easily. They're, they're favored by six points, but the bears, even last week, like the way they lost that game against Denver, it looks really bad all the way around. Uh, the, their game against the chiefs was awful. They, they didn't move the ball at all against green Bay. I, they also lost it to Tampa Bay uh, where Baker Mayfield looked like a Pro Bowl quarterback against them. Mm-hmm. It's, things are not going well. And I, I've got some buddies of mine that are Bears fans, too, talking to them. They were so hopeful, and I think all Bears fans were, and a lot of people were so hopeful for Justin Fields to start the season and yes. see what he could do and how he could progress as a passer, and he hasn't. And so now Bears fans, and maybe rightfully so, are like, we got to blow this whole thing up. Fire the head coach, fire the defensive coordinator, get a new quarterback. And if they have the top two picks, yeah, you probably should. Because mm-hmm. if you have the number one overall pick this year, you have to take Caleb Williams. I know there have been years in the past where it's like, oh, we're already settled at quarterback. We, we have uh, Trevor Lawrence. We don't need to take a quarterback. We're going to take a pass rusher. You have to take Caleb Williams, number one overall. Or you have to trade that pick for a huge ransom so that somebody else can take him. It's just, it looks so bad for the Bears right now. And I, I don't know what to do. I don't know if you can fix Justin Fields. I don't know if maybe you try to trade him, but I don't think he has that much trade value right now. I think you could get a team to come after Justin Fields, but not as a starting quarterback. I, I yeah. think that he is right there in that range of like, hey, we'll give him another chance. 
we'll put him as our backup. We'll give you a, what did Trey Lance go for? Like a third or fourth or something? Fifth? I don't yeah. remember. That's Justin Fields is like right there in that category, in my opinion. At least right now. Maybe he'll turn it around a little bit this season and, and that trade value might go up. But I just have not liked what I saw out of Justin Fields. And the turnovers, whether it be interceptions or fumbles that are leading to touchdowns, I think that's one thing that people don't realize about quarterbacks is that ball security is not just interceptions. Fumbles are a huge problem at the quarterback position because all these guys go for strip sacks now, and that's a, that's a turnover. Now, I know it doesn't show up as alarming in the stat book, but it is just as bad, and it may be worse because of field position. Uh, and Justin Fields is struggling right now, and the Bears, it looks like they're going to have the top two picks as of right now. they got to take Caleb Williams with one of them, and they should probably take Marvin Harrison Jr. with the second one. Oh, uh, that's what I was going to say. And could you imagine that? Like You mm-hmm. have – a trio of running backs back there, Roshan Johnson, who is was a stud running back at Texas, just hidden behind Bijan Robinson. That stinks, but you're going to have him. You have mm-hmm. him on a rookie deal. You just traded for DJ Moore, so you're going to get that aspect too. Yep. And you get Caleb Williams coming in with an offensive line that clearly still needs some work to just at least be healthy. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison Jr. as your receivers. Like, yeah, that's a great start, and that is a great bounce back year for Chicago if it does continue to go this poorly now for Justin Fields and where he goes our guy Jake the Snake's been all over the chat today says hey if the Bears do pick up one and trade Fields who's he going who's going to go after him he feels like Dable and the Giants would be an interesting pairing and I think he's exactly right with that I think Justin Fields in uh, New York would be a lot of fun for the Giants Um, but another thing that I thought of is what about the Saints? Because I don't think mm-hmm. Derek Carr's career is going to be going that well in New Orleans. Like, I think you're kind of sitting here looking at it like, all right, Derek Carr is who he is. This is – it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just kind of one of those situations. But for me, like, I could see one of those two landing spots. The Buccaneers was another team that came to mind because they're going to have to sign Mike Evans to a big deal or get rid of him as well. But just some of the options that are there. But it, it definitely feels like it is over in Chicago. Yeah. The Falcons – a lot of people have already been talking about what, what the Falcons will do at quarterback because Desmond Ritter, I like Desmond Ritter. I, he's been a pretty solid quarterback. I don't know that he's a starter in the NFL. I, I think that he is a really, really good backup, a, a guy that you want in the quarterback room, but he's struggling as well. And so maybe that would be a landing spot for Justin Fields. Uh, you've got the Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, once again, is just he is never healthy. Uh, and we're seeing it again this year with him. So I've been out on Jimmy G pretty much since he became a starter with the San Francisco 49ers, but we're already seeing it now. I I think the Raiders have to do something different at quarterback. The Giants, I know you're going to talk about them later. They've probably got to do something different at quarterback. The Saints with Derek Carr, how well is that working out for you? I like the Saints as a fit because I do think that you can have him as a backup quarterback. You can bring in Justin Fields. He can be a backup. You can try to tutor him along and bring him along as a passer because he's still a young guy. He hasn't been in the league long, and he was already young when he got drafted. So you can bring him in as a backup, have him kind of tutor. I don't, I don't think guys like this are ever going to rebound and be like superstars, but you might be able to get a, a starter out of Justin Fields. And I, I think that's just where we are with these guys. I, I can't think of a guy who was like labeled as a bust, went on to go to a different team and then like clicked and he was successful or a star. Like Ryan Tannehill's one that comes to mind. He was with the Dolphins. He was bad. He moved on, went to the Titans. He was the backup there and then earned that starting job and got a big contract. I don't think that even he is like the exception to that rule. Like, he's not a superstar at the position. He's not some great player, right? but that might be like a best case scenario for Justin Fields is that he can go and he can catch on as a backup somewhere he can develop and then maybe turn into a solid starting quarterback in the league. But for me, and I I didn't research it. I don't know, but it seems like if you're going to be good in the NFL, you're always good in the NFL. There's a little bit of a learning curve at the position, but it's not much of one. There's not much of a learning curve to where it's like, we're going to move on from this guy. He's not any good anymore. Like Zach Wilson, uh, he's not going to be good. 
He's just not. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's you know happening. And then you know there's also sticking with that that draft class, Mac Jones. I don't think he's going to be any good either. Uh, it oh, just looks really really bad for the Patriots as well. And you're getting you know three out of the four top quarterbacks there that just don't look good from that draft class. Could does Justin Fields to New England seem like a possibility? Like that seems something like Bill Belichick would do because like, hey, we're just going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Like we're just going to get back to that. Like we saw, yeah, what we uh, tried to do with Cam Newton at the end, but yep, <laughs> right. Like yeah, we're going to make a trade for this guy and then we're going to run him into the ground. Like he's going to carry the ball twelve times a game. Uh, yeah, that does feel like a a fit and for Belichick too. He's going to try to get the superstar. On like like a, a small deal, he's not going to want to get up, give up a lot of draft picks for him. He might not have to with Justin Fields anymore. So I mean, that that is probably honestly the most realistic spot. Justin Fields is still he's just twenty four years old, so he's I mean he's young. Trey Lance is done for. Uh, Mac Jones is probably done for. So many quarterbacks in that class That's that looked like they would crazy. probably be pretty good by next year. I think one of them might be starting in the NFL, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and he went number one. And but I mean, even thinking about that with Jacksonville, like, yeah, he's been good there, right? But like looking at Jacksonville play this year, they are not moving the ball effectively up and down the field like Mm-mm. I thought they would be. And granted, we're still early into the year. You know, we've only got four games heading into Week Five here. But I thought the Jaguars would be putting up some points this season, and we are just not seeing that at all. Yeah, I definitely thought they would too. I, I thought that that offense would kind of take its next step, and I. I think I might have even talked about Trevor Lawrence. Like, this could be an MVP candidate. This could be an MVP-type mm-hmm. year for him. And we just haven't seen it yet out of him. He has four touchdowns to two interceptions this year. His completion percentage is good. It's at 67. He just hasn't done anything to wow you yet. And I believe that the Jaguars, did they play another super early game this week? Did you watch? Yeah, did you see the Nickelodeon game. stuff? The Toy Story so was. I did the same thing. It was on Disney Plus actually, because I thought it was Nickelodeon. I was like, why can't I find the freaking game? It was on Disney ah. Plus and ESPN Plus. Um, I just saw the clip. I tried. I tried to go watch it, but again, couldn't find it. Thing it was Nickelodeon. It wasn't. But <laughs> I thought it was kind of neat. I thought it was pretty cool. I was also under the mindset that uh, they were going to be characters from Toy Story. Like you know, each character was going to mm-hmm. be a different player. Player was going to be a different character. Um, Woody versus like, Buzz at quarterback. <laughs> Exactly, and I was like, "Ah, it's going to be kind of cool to see that. But the way they did it, like the tracking and everything, it looked like it was pretty Mm -hmm. neat. I feel like it would be hard to watch an entire game like that as an adult. But for parents, you know, that are trying to get their kids into it, and, you know, Toy Story is just Toy Story. It's huge. Mm -hmm. Like, that would be awesome. And then I think growing it from here, if you do different, you know, Disney movies that are tied to, I think they could be super cool. Like Lilo and Stitch, you have one in Hawaii. You do Cars, you could do one in Radiator Springs. You have Mater there. Like I just, I think that would be really, really cool in interacting all these different cartoons with Disney um, into the NFL and integrating it that it's, way, where it's like, okay, hey, kids are are learning about the game in a, a different, unique way. This could be one of them. And that used to be what you did on Madden. You learned how to play the game. At least for me, and I think my generation, yeah. You learned football through Madden. I I wouldn't be surprised. I remember the old college football game used to have a mascot mode. Like, how long is it before Madden is like, you know what? Here's your your cartoon mode. It might not be characters from a movie or something, but it might be, here's your cartoon, like, (laughs) arcade style. That's what it used to be, arcade style of, like, the old 80s and 90s type video games to where you can do that. And it's maybe a more basic style of play. Because now, Madden is not for kids anymore. It is not for the teenager that's trying to learn what Cover 2 is. It is for adults. That game is for adults and that play competitively. It's, it's not for kids anymore. So maybe you almost need a game mode for bring back arcade. And so kids can learn how to play football anymore without you know getting harassed online by some 30-year-old dude who's playing Madden online. But it was it was interesting. I, I did think the technology of it was really cool because the first clip that I saw was Bijan Robinson and his cut of like breaking ankles on a little swing pass or something. Mm-hmm. It looked exactly like it did in real life on the football field. But yeah. in like Andy's room or whatever it was for Toy Story. 
it was really cool. So that, that technology I was able to appreciate. And I also love that you, you hop on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now. And you see people that are like, who's this game even for? It's for parents and their kids, man. Like, Stop yeah. being a thief of joy. Like they had, it's not like you could only watch this game on Disney Plus. Yep, it was on the regular broadcast or whatever. Stop stealing everybody else's joy. I didn't watch it. I'm not going to. My daughters are too old for that stuff. They're not going to get into the game that way. But you might have somebody that did. And honestly, I don't care because I'm not in charge of the ratings. So if the NFL wants to go and they want to throw some dollars at Disney Plus and say, yeah, or actually get dollars from Disney Plus, let them do it. Maybe there are some kids out there that have finally gotten into football. Like I, I just don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't see why everybody gets so mad online about everything, uh, which yeah. is also why uh, we are going to do, we're going to bring back a, a, a segment, I almost said a skit, a segment that we used to do <laughs> called Thinking Out Loud. Thursdays, everybody is just always so mad online all the time. And everybody's mad now at the Taylor Swift stuff. So this is the segment of the day where we talk about Taylor Swift and the NFL. It is, it's crazy. It is becoming a lot, even as a Swifty. But I I do think that even Travis Kelsey put it in, like, this is the NFL just kind of leaning into a superstar. And I think more so than the NFL leaning into the superstar, this is the superstar leaning into the NFL of saying, like, hey, wait a second. I can use this as promotion. Taylor knows what she's doing. She has a movie that's coming out on October 13th, and she just got a shitload of free advertising from the NFL. Like, we're talking about rating numbers. I think it was 27 million people watched the very, very bad New York Jets play the Kansas City Chiefs. People are not interested in that game. Like, Aaron Rodgers was not playing, even as a Chiefs fan, I didn't really care about that game. You've got millions of people that are just tuning in for her. And Mm -hmm. I think this is a genius play by her. I don't know if she's really in it with Travis Kelsey. I don't really care. Like I said, either way, I'm getting a song from her about football. Travis Kelsey seems healthy and happy. And as long as he's still catching touchdowns, I really don't care about anything else. But it does, it, I'm kind of starting to think this might just all be for publicity. And I don't care if it is. My daughters are going to go see the movie when it comes out on the 13th. But Taylor Swift is getting a lot of free ads from the NFL. And I believe the NFL even came out and was talking about like, hey, we're going to play these Taylor Swift commercials. We are going to cut to the Times Square uh, ad that she has going on. We're really leaning into it. It is getting to be a little bit much. I still love Taylor Swift. This is starting to feel like a publicity stunt to where uh, she knows she's getting some free advertisement and she's using it to her advantage, which I really don't care about. I don't mind if they show Taylor Swift 19 times during the game. We're used to that with players like TJ Watt, with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, how many Chiefs games have we watched where the defense does something great and they immediately go to Patrick Mahomes? he, He didn't do anything. We just had a running back score on a running play, and now it's like, hey, here's Patrick Mahomes. All right, cool. How about you let Isaiah Pacheco (laughs) have his moment for a little bit? He just broke off a 50-yard run, uh, which is what happened Sunday night with uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah, and I mean, even with Taylor Swift, like I really don't want it to become where it is just a publicity stunt because I do feel like there was maybe some romantic, I don't know the word I'm trying to, romanticism. That's not right either. Romance? Romance. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a country tism. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I am ready to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Romance? Yep, that is that's the word I was looking for. Good to be back, boys. Good to be back. <laughs> but <laughs> I do I do think there was some true romance, romanticism, Jesus criminy. I do think there was some true romance there between Taylor and uh, Travis Kelsey, and I, I hope it kind of remains it. I hope it hasn't turned into where it's just publicity and she's trying to get attention through the NFL and NFL viewers and the NFL doing that, and it, it takes away from them because, you know, if it does work out for them, they're both happy, great. Travis, you just turned 34 this year. You can't play in the NFL forever. You know, he's already done a lot of stuff in the media. He's got a... a a fantastic podcast that's out there with new heights with his brother that we all know about 
Like, yeah, this guy's got to kind of start looking towards the rest of his life, too. And, he, yeah, the NFL is still going on. He's still got a long career. But with this and the Taylor Swift ads, it is just getting a little overblown and annoying. Like, I love seeing Taylor Swift. I think it's super cool because there is going to be a day where we all look back and be like, man, do you remember when, like, Taylor Swift just took over the NFL for, like, three mm-hmm. weeks? Yeah, like, or, like, you want to talk about uh, the Disney Plus stuff of, like, oh, wow, you're bringing in a new audience of young kids and you're growing the game, and that's great. Taylor Swift did that. She did more for the NFL than the NFL did for itself on Sunday. She brought in literally millions of viewers that were not tuning in before to watch a football game. And it sucks that they saw a pretty bad product. But, yeah, I mean, how many people would have actually watched that game without her? I'm not big on rating numbers, so I don't know. I'm going to guess 15 million for Sunday night football. And maybe I'm wrong on that, so uh, check for yourself and see what a normal Sunday night football game brings in. Mm-hmm. This one brought in 27 million, and those are those are Swifties. Those are people wanting to see Taylor Swift. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to be mad at her. Of like, why is the NFL giving her free advertisement? It wasn't free because they got a lot of viewers back by having her there. So like, they she did the NFL favor by showing up and bringing uh, Ryan Reynolds. And Blake Lively as well. Like, and Hugh Jackman. Like, how big of a star is Taylor Swift that I was watching Sunday night? I tuned in early. I was one of the 27 million. I see, and they go to Taylor Swift. And like, Taylor Swift is in the building. I'm like, guys, that's Blake Lively standing behind her. That's Ryan Reynolds. And you didn't mention them at all. Not yeah. even like a, oh, there's... Taylor Swift, Blake Lively, and Ryan Reynolds. And, oh, look, here comes Hugh Jackman. Like, it's a red carpet event. It's just, nope, that's Taylor Swift, and she's here with some friends. Those friends are some of the biggest stars in Hollywood. And That's Blake just Lively, like the Taylor Swift effect. Oh, my God, Blake Lively looks phenomenal. She's Talk about so her romanticism. <laughs> like, that right there. Sign me. Like, Ryan Reynolds, like, dude, like, that man is, he's just one life, and he knows it, you know, and he just continues to find ways to win again and again. Like Ryan Reynolds yeah, truly people probably feel that game. way about like Ryan Reynolds though. And they're like, man, Blake Lively is so lucky to have him. Look at him showing up. Like this dude owns a soccer team. He's super funny. Everything uh-huh. he does is wonderful. That's probably the most perfect couple that we will ever have in our lifetime. Yeah. Well, wait till I find my wife. Then it'll change. <laughs> change course yeah hopefully we, you get that with those romanticisms Jesus, <laughs> i'm gonna have to restart <laughs> oh man that just that's so embarrassing but it's so good to be back it's so good to do that and now for me my thinking out loud i'm gonna go into daniel jones uh, another matchup that we got to see in new york matchup on monday night against seattle dude gets sacked 11 times 11 times this guy was sacked in an nfl football game Troy Aikman was on the call. He had once been sacked 11 times in the game as well, and he even kind of started joking about it at the end of his composure is fantastic right now. He goes, because I can tell you, and I know I got some teammates watching right now, I was not this calm. My demeanor was not like this when I got sacked for the 11th time. And Daniel Jones, he's at a point where everyone is just absolutely shitting on him right now. And part of it is granted. I do think some of it is is just his own doing. You mentioned fumbles earlier. You know, a quarterback having fumbles is never a good thing. He just continues to have that issue. He's had that issue since he came into the league, and it showcased against Seattle as well. But my argument about it then and my argument about it now is this guy doesn't have time to make a read or make a throw. Last year was one of his best years with Saquon Barkley, who remained healthy all year. Huh, I wonder why, because he was on a contract year as well. And so they were able to just kind of feed off of each other, and it helped Daniel Jones out in a lot of moments and in times where, hey, i got to get rid of the ball here, Saquon, go make something happen. But when he's looking down the field and he can't get to a second read or the first read's not open or none of your receivers. He can't get to the first read. (laughs) Like, it's just, dude, it sucks. And I almost just hate everyone being like, man, Daniel Jones has got to do this. And then you see Brian Dable throw the freaking pad of, like, look here, and then he just flings it. And Daniel Jones is just sitting there straight-faced. If I was Daniel Jones in that situation, I would have been freaking livid, <laughs> especially if my coach, who just watched me get sacked for, for the seventh time this game, and it's like, okay, our play calling sucks. No one's getting open. I'm sacked for the seventh time here, and you're throwing the effing pad at me? Dude, F off. 
And, like, I saw Matt come out today on Twitter and be like, hey, Brian Dable is only getting one opportunity to coach. Daniel Jones is going to get several opportunities to play quarterback in the NFL because of where he was drafted. That is true. But Daniel Jones is also just going to be scrutinized again and again and again for everything when there's no one around him that is willing to help him out. Like, change the offense. Do something where we can get something going instead of doing a five-step drop here and going, okay, yep, you're sacked again. Sorry, dude, there's nothing we can do. Defense back on the field. It's just ridiculous, and I I feel bad for the guy. It's the same thing. Even Brian Dable, there was so much praise, and he got everything he deserved last year. Coach of the year, fantastic. It's just like, what's going on this year then, Brian? Mm -hmm. You had all the success last year. And Mike Kafka, that's another guy too. Everyone's getting thrown underneath the bus here for the Giants. This is just freaking pitiful. Mike Kafka is the guy who wants to come in and be a replacement for Andy Reid when he inevitably retires. He's getting an opportunity to be an offensive coordinator. Hey, bub, you better coordinate an offense because this is hot garbage. This sucks. And even your offensive line, Evan Neal, guy we've got to see and meet in person. He's getting frustrated on the side. He had to come out with an apology yesterday or today on social media. It's just ridiculous. And for all of us to just point the finger at Daniel Jones, I don't think it's fair. I think it's kind of just lazy analysis that is like, oh, yep, Daniel Jones is the reason they stink. Let's take a deep dive into the Giants and really look at it. And I'm not saying I've watched, you know, that I took the deep dive and watched it, but I'm just sitting here like I'm tired of hearing it that it's Daniel Jones' fault. And then last year, like, man, Daniel Jones is actually a pretty good quarterback. Look how to make some plays. Well, yeah, we got Saquon Barkley healthy for a full season. It's not happening this year. Giants just stink. And I thought there was going to be some promise there. You know, you bring in Paris Campbell, broke stays broke. You know, coming from Indianapolis, kid that was at Ohio State, just struggled to stay healthy. Can't get open either. You know, you bring in Darren Waller at tight end. Like, what the heck, Darren Waller? Like, do you just need to tell Daniel Jones to just throw it to him no matter what and maybe he can make a play? But he's also not making anything happen. He's not done anything since he's gotten to the Giants. He didn't really do anything the last year and a half with the Raiders either. So I guess my thinking out loud is just leave Daniel Jones alone. The Giants stink. Stop putting all the blame on him. It's lazy analysis. I I don't think that it's – yeah, you can't put it all on him. I don't like Daniel Jones, and I don't think that he is good. He played very well last year. Um, I'm not going to feel super sorry for him because he signed a fat contract. (laughs) And a lot of it is guaranteed. So he's going to be okay. He's got a Duke education. He's got a – load of money. He'll probably be okay. He is playing very badly. And I, some of those sacks are probably Daniel Jones's fault, but also he's been sacked 22 times in four games. Those are not all his fault. There's the, that offensive line. And I know Evan Neal is like kind of lashed out too. A lot of that's that, that offensive line's fault. And Saquon is a great running back. No running back is that good to make that much of a difference from last year to what we're seeing this year. I, I don't know what it is. I like Brian Dable, too. I like Kafka, like you said. I, I kind of hope that maybe he would return as the Kansas City Chiefs head coach. Eh, we're going to put that on pause for a second and see how this team does. Uh, one of the crazy stats looking at this game, uh, the Giants against the Seahawks. The Giants get their butts kicked, 3-24. to 24. Daniel Jones completed 27 of 34. That's, I mean, nearly 80% of his passes. And two of them were interceptions. That's a very, very high completion percentage for a team that only scored three points. Kind of amazing when you really break it down that way. But the Daniel Jones stuff, it's... I, I, I think just New York fans in general hate me. Because I did tweet, like, how bad does that Daniel Jones contract look? And there were people that were like, it doesn't look bad at all. Like... Eventually, you do just have to admit your quarterback is probably bad. Yeah, and I think it was it, it does suck. earlier in the chat that there is probably a way that the Giants could get out of that, get out of the contract for Daniel Jones. Um, mm-hmm. There's a potential I don't, I don't out that. in 2025. So, I mean, you've, you've got him for two seasons. It's going to be bad. Man, I don't know. But the cap's not real anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that there's a way they could. And Daniel Jones will still end up with like $40 million. You should be able to live the rest of your life on $40 million. If you can't, then that's on you. You've screwed up. (laughs) Give me $2 million and I'll be just fine. I'll guarantee you that. Actually, I would probably blow it too. But oh well, you you get the point. You know what I'm saying. Um, All right, that's it for us today though. Uh, We appreciate you guys. 
joining us and being with us as we rant uh, about football. Uh, it's almost basketball season. We're, we're getting playoff baseball, which really excites me. Um, so I, last thing before we go, playoff baseball, it starts, it's, it's already started. All the teams have already won in advance, so there's really, I don't think, any point in talking about what happened. Who are you, who are you rooting for in the playoffs? Do you have a team that you're like, this is my playoff team? Because we're both Royals fans. Mm-hmm. The Royals never make the playoffs, so I have a playoff team, and it's the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, like I really like the Braves too, but mainly because of you. But for me, it's like I kind of just want to see the Phillies do it. Like I mm-hmm. want to see the Phillies make it happen. They've spent a ton of money. Bryce Harper, you know, the the year that he leaves Washington, they go win one. It's like right, I want this guy to have his moment too. And, and I know they were in the World Series last year and lost it, but like it would be cool to see him come away with the title and and see Philly. You know what I mean? Like I think they had three major teams last year go to the finals mm-hmm. and and lost all of them. So it would be cool to see him. Uh, to win a to win a title, I would be okay with that. And the Phillies play the Braves. I I would I would not be mad. Like if the Phillies win this series, I could find myself rooting for them. Uh, the Orioles are an interesting team just because they were so bad just a couple years ago, and oh, they're yeah. doing it with like, a bunch I'm of young guys. Mm-hmm. Me too. This is, uh, so I. Kind of, uh... I'm rooting for them in the sense of how I was with Golden State when they kind of came on the scene with all their young guys. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, I would actually kind of like to see this team. It's like you built it the right way. Mm -hmm. You know, so you want to see them be successful because they did. They hit on draft prospects and developed these guys in their own system and and brought them up. So it is. It feels like they've done it the right way. Not that, you know, a lot of teams do it the wrong way, but they've done it the right way. Uh, the Dodgers, I know Jake is in the chat. He's a huge Dodgers fan. I, I am still kind of a, a Dodgers supporter. I'm definitely not a fan, but I, I love Clayton Kershaw. I, I love some of the dudes that are on that roster. Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts has had one hell of a year this year. Uh, so I could find myself rooting for like four teams, I think I mentioned there. The Orioles, <laughs> the Phillies, the Braves, and the Dodgers. Any of those teams for- win. Uh, I think we can just all agree. As long as the Astros don't win. <laughs> I would actually like to see a Phillies-Rangers World Series. Rangers, huh? Yep. And they just they made so many moves at the trade deadline to, to make <laughs> something happen. And I think this would be just a fantastic opportunity. Yeah. This damn dog jumped in the pond again, even with this training device that I have around his neck. He just completely ignored it. So, training uh, device. <laughs> Don't want to get PETA coming after us. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for us today. Reese has got to go take a bath. Uh, fill out your bingo cards. Uh, check out the podcast when you can. We appreciate you guys joining us again, as always, and we'll talk to you all next time.